Emergency Medical Minute presents Mental Health Monthly. Substance-induced psychosis, the agitated geriatric patient, manic episodes, paramedics, nurses, mid-level providers, and physicians in the ED all regularly have to manage patients with psychiatric conditions, often with limited training and resources. In this series, psychiatric experts keep it real, raw, and relevant about what you need to know to successfully care for these patients in an emergency setting. The Emergency Medical Minute is excited to announce that we are now offering AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits via online course modules. To access these and for more information, visit our website at www.emergencymedicalminute.com backslash CME-courses or simply click on the link in our show notes and create an account. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Monthly, a part of the Emergency Medical Minute podcast. Uh, I'm Eddie Creel here with my co-host Justin Romano. Uh, we're the two hosts for a podcast that we have ourselves called Millennial Mental Health Channel. Yeah, we are going to be doing a good show for you guys today. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my good friend, Dr. Dave Marshall. He did a grand rounds on our topic for today and allowed me to use his slide and a lot of his research. So I'm pretty much riding his coattails all the way to the top. (laughs) To get started, uh, today's episode, we're going to be focusing on drug screens. Uh, We'll talk about the different types that we have and what to look out for when using drug screens in an emergency room setting. Yeah, we really wanted to bring up this topic because honestly, the knowledge amongst urine drug screens and drug screens in general amongst physicians is is very poor. Uh, We use them all the time, but a lot of doctors don't understand the limitations to them um, and might not be using them in the most clinically effective way. So that's why we wanted to choose this topic. Yeah, something important that we like to remind everyone when using urine drug screens uh, is to try to not judge the patients as best as possible based off of their results. Uh, We want to teach you useful information regarding the drug screens, like how long certain intoxicants can stay in the system, common false positives, and common false negatives, and overall just have a better understanding of how they can be used in the setting. One of our favorite things to do on our show is story time. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of a story. Uh, so I was working in patient psych unit, uh, and I had a patient who was diagnosed with chronic schizophrenia. Uh, he was admitted for worsening psychosis. He did have a history, uh, patient did have a history of methamphetamine use, um, and he was pretty stable on antipsychotics for a long time. So we weren't quite sure why he had an acute worsening of his psychosis. His urine drug screen was positive for amphetamines. So when the nursing staff came in and reported this patient to me, they said, well, he's been doing meth again. Um, and so, you know, I went into uh, the patient's room and I was talking to him and a uh, fun, interesting teaching point here. He did have echopraxia, which is a sign of catatonia. That's beside the point. If you want to look up what echopraxia is, kind of a cool thing. Um, but he was denying any meth use. He was like, meth use? No, I have not been using. He was also living in a very secure Uh, and supervised environment. So I was like, how the heck could he have gotten a hold of meth, smoked it, that kind of thing. So we ended up getting a confirmatory test on that urine drug screen, and it showed that he had no amphetamine and no methamphetamine in his system. We found out that he had just been started on Wellbutrin two weeks before. And Wellbutrin is notorious for causing false positives on a urine drug screen. So that was a good learning case for me. I wanted to relay that to you guys. 
Cool. Great stuff, Justin. Um, moving forward with your drug screens, or actually just drug screens in general, there's lots of different kinds. We have, like I've already mentioned a couple of times, urine, uh, there's saliva, there's blood, there's hair, there's breath, and there's even nail drug screens. Uh, we mostly use urine in the emergency department because it is inexpensive and it's fast. Uh, sometimes even saliva can be used, but in my experience, when I used to do um crisis mental health screenings in the emergency department, the urine drug screen was what we used a lot of the time. Yes, urine reigns supreme in this arena. Um, The tests are looking for specific metabolites of drugs or medications. Urine drug screens are prone to false positives and false negatives. So it's it's important to understand like what the rates of those are and what causes those. Different hospitals have different tests too. So it's important to know what exactly uh, all the different metabolites that your tests are looking for. And sometimes you need to adjust the specific urine drug screens you're, you're using to try and find something if you're suspicious if the patient has taken something lately. Um, urine drug screens are also super easy to fool. Uh, I know that this isn't as much of an issue in the emergency room, more for like routine monitoring, people on probation, that kind of things. But it's it's important to know that it's very, very easy to fool a urine drug screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're probably asking yourself, how long can some of these substances be detected in urine after consumption? Uh, we'll say them in order of increasing length to remember which ones get out of the system faster and, and which ones tend to linger. So the first one is alcohol. That's uh, about seven to 12 hours that it'll stay in the urine. Uh, next is amphetamine and methamphetamine. That's about 48 hours. Um, benzos are about three days. Opioids, two to three days. Cocaine can be anywhere between two to four days. Uh, One that kind of depends on how much you've consumed. And this is kind of a big question that I get asked from a lot of the teenagers I've worked with. But uh, as far as marijuana, a single use of cannabis can be about three days. Uh, Moderate cannabis use. So this is anywhere between four, about four times a week. Uh, That's five to seven days. Um, Someone who's a daily cannabis user, that's about 10 to 15 days in the system. And finally, we have heavy daily use uh, of cannabis, which is up to 30 days. Uh, And finally, to complete our list, we have PCP, which lasts about eight days. Urine drug screens have a false positive rate of about 5 to 10%. So that's a clinically significant amount. There's also a false negative rate of about 10 to 15%. So what are the things that causes uh, common false positives. So a false positive is when the patient doesn't have the drug in their system, but it is positive anyway, similar to that Wellbutrin example. He tested positive for amphetamines, even though he didn't have amphetamines. So it was a false positive. So Wellbutrin, bupropion, that's a big positive for amphetamines. Other ones that can pop up for amphetamines are things like trazodone, labetalol, metformin, promethazine, pseudoephedrine, phentermine, and atomoxetine. Sometimes a false ben- or a false positive can can for benzodiazepines can happen when the patient's on sertraline, the common SSRI antidepressant. Uh, some false positives for cannabis, sometimes ibuprofen can cause a false positive for cannabis. Naproxen, which is another NSAID medication, and proton pump inhibitors can also trigger a false positive for cannabis. For opiates, uh, poppy seeds, I know this is kind of a myth, but they can can cause a false positive for opiates, especially if it's a large quantity of poppy seeds. Uh, Some antibiotics can cause a false positive for opiates, and even Benadryl can as well. Uh, In terms of 
PCP, I know it's not the most common drug anymore these days, but a lot of medications, especially a lot of our psychiatric medications, can come up as false positives for PCP, like venlafaxine, which is a fexor, lamotrigine, ibuprofen, and Ambien, Zolpidem. Those can be for PCP. And there's a little bit of controversy with this next one, but sometimes amoxicillin can come up as cocaine. Mm. And on the other side of that, we have common false negatives, uh, the drugs that are in the system but are not showing up in the urine drug screen. Uh, and Justin will kind of give us the list of those. Yeah, so a lot of benzodiazepines won't show up on a urine drug screen. Sometimes Xanax doesn't or alprazolam, clonazepam might not, lorazepam and triazolam uh, will not show up. In terms of... Uh, cannabinoids, so things that are similar to cannabis or, or marijuana, CBD oil might not show up. Uh, synthetic marijuana, such as K2, might also not show up uh, on a urine drug screen. And then a lot of opioids, too, are, are hit or miss in terms of actually testing or showing up as an opioids. Oxycodone, fentanyl, methadone, and tramadol. Sometimes for those tests, you have to specifically test for those different opioids. Uh, a general or generic opioid urine drug screen might not show up. So if you do get uh, a test that you're not sure is 100% accurate, you can always send it off for a confirmatory test. That's what we did uh, on my example at the beginning. Uh, you can send it off for chromatography. Um, this is not organic chemistry, so I will not go into that. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to share a short story as well that one time when I was uh, just a wee lad and I was preparing to start shadowing so I could go to medical school, I had to take a, a urine drug screen to be able to shadow at the hospital. And I had a false positive. Uh, my urine drug screen uh, was positive for something. It was just a very generic test. It just said positive, but didn't say what it was for. And the nurse was very rude to me about it. She even said, she's like, I don't know if you're out there smoking pot with all your friends. So <laughs> I tell that story, not to throw a pity party, but to tell you guys like, hey, just because a urine drug screen gives you a result, do not take it as gospel. Try not to judge your patients based or to judge your patients based on it, because that can really affect their care, especially if like with my uh, with my patient uh, in the example in the beginning. You know, the nurses were kind of mean to him because they thought that he had been doing meth and they treated him differently, but he wasn't doing meth. So just try and keep a, keep an open mind when it comes to urine drug screens. Yeah, no, th I think those are all great points. They, we need a we need to try to make sure we're using these drug screens for um, to help us out when we're helping to diagnose and helping with dispos disposition and discharge. But we want to make sure that we're not just judging based off of you know initial results. Mm -hmm. um, but what does something like this mean for the emergency department setting? Well, one in eight emergency department visits are for psychiatric reasons, and that's up forty four percent since the mid two thousands. One study showed that there was no significant change in outcome, uh, in treatment, in disposition, or psychiatric course when patients got a urine drug screen. So we're getting them all the time, but it doesn't really change their outcomes. Um, so, you know, throwing that out there just so you guys consider whether or not the patient absolutely needs them. Uh, one other study did show that 63% of new psychiatric complaints had a medical cause, such as an intoxication. So uh, usually new psychiatric complaints uh, or most common thing to cause them are like stimulant medication intoxication. So 
we're we're saying as a whole, you know, don't always get a urine drug screen. But if there's new onset of psych history, like patients never had psych problems before, and all of a sudden they come in with psychosis or mania or severe depression, that might be a reasonable time to get a urine drug screen. It helps rule out substance-induced issues. And according to the American Academy of Emergency Medicine, and I quote, we oppose the routine lab testing of psychiatric patients in the ED as part of the medical clearance process. I don't know why the American Academy suddenly turned to English, but they did. <laughs> and that's that. That is our episode this month for Mental Health Monthly. Uh, we want to leave you with take-home points like we always try to do. Uh, our first one being that we use drug screens a lot in the emergency department. And it's important to remember that these tests are not always accurate. And it's also important to understand how and why. There are specific good uses for urine drug screens, especially new onset of psychotic symptoms or psych symptoms in general when they did not have them before. But be aware of the common false positives and the common false negatives. Usually you can um, look those up online pretty quickly. You can always just come back to this podcast and just listen to them again because I know you're going to love it. Um, Drug screens don't seem to change the outcome of patient care significantly. So if uh, maybe consider not getting one if you don't necessarily need one. Uh, and uh, I am the bleeding heart psychiatrist here, but try not to judge your patients uh, based on the results of their UDS. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this month's Mental Health Monthly. If you like mental health related content at all, feel free to check out our podcast, Millennial Mental Health Channel. Uh, we're available wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and now the TikTok, uh, all at Millennial MHC. Uh, and feel free, as soon as you close out this podcast and this episode, search ours up and download an episode. Thanks, guys. Hello, EMM listeners. We are dedicated to providing you with high-quality educational content free of charge and without ads. As a nonprofit organization, we rely solely on donations. So if you enjoy our show and are able to make a one-time or recurring donation to help cover our operational costs, any amount is helpful in making this show possible. Click the link in our show notes to make a donation. Thank you.